Four finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Figure Discount. This week we are here to wrap up Season 13. Yes, last week we finally got to the end of Season 13 where Papa's got a brand new badge and now we are here to give our thoughts on what the season was like as a whole, what we expected going in, did it meet up to our expectations and uh, we're going to run through our top five each. We're both going to try and guess what each other's top five are. Some mailbag questions are going to draw the winner of this month's uh, or this season's wildcard prize draw from the Guy Davis New Day Championship. What's happening here is the Season 13 wrap-up. I am Dando. I am Guy. I was wondering when you'd get around to introducing us, Dando, for goodness sakes. <laughs> so much information to do at the uh, the end of a season, but I guess that's what you get with a wrap-up. You have to sort of go through what's gone before, look back, and not in anger so much, maybe so much in <laughs> disappointment this time around. I don't know. I've got to say, I was a little nervous going into season 13. I You hear so many things about this is the beginning of the decline, or... Actually, we're well and truly into the decline. <laughs> Something along those lines. But I've got to say, with the benefit of hindsight over the last, how many, 22 episodes? 22 episodes, yep. It hasn't been all bad. Season 13, unlucky for some, not for us, I don't think. No. Even episodes that people say are one of the worst episodes of all time. For example, The Frying Game. We both really like that episode. But that gets shit-canned time and time again. I've, I even pointed out to you that there was a review online of a guy saying it could be potentially the worst episode of all time and I'm thinking what do are you expecting because yeah. <laughs> a lot of the episodes of people a lot of the episodes that people seem to hate in this season with both might not have loved but we've both really enjoyed sometimes I wouldn't say there was any episode in this season besides a couple that I really really like loved really enjoyed but mm. as as a whole I think I, I would say safely say that I reckon at least 70 to 75 percent of the episodes were good I reckon there was, there was only a couple that were on my shit list. I won't say that I've got a shit list, but I do... I mean, there are certainly some that are, yeah, definitely... Yeah, that belong on a shit list. Let's, let's not <laughs> deny that. But drawing up the uh, the good and bad, the pro and con, mm. yeah, there are certainly a few that are bad, but there are only a few that are real absolute stinkers. Exactly. And, there are, and there are quite a few that are genuinely good, and quite a few that are pleasant surprises. I'm not disappointed with uh, how season 13 shook out in the final no, not analysis. At all. Now, I'm just going to apologise to the listeners. If you do hear some banging and stuff in the background, Nicholas just decided that now's the time to do the vacuuming. So, so, <laughs> so if you hear a vacuum cleaner going off in the background, I do apologise. All right, so what we're going to do here, before we get into our top fives, you're going to try and guess what you think my top five are. I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to mm-hmm. try and guess what your top five are. And we're going to see how close... We, all you have to do is guess the top five, but then pick which one you think will be the favourite of the other person. So, okay. you go first. What do you think my top five are, and what in particular will be my favourite? All right, and we've got the zoom on here, folks, so we're going to have to do the po-po-po-poker face. Mm. So, not give anything away. So, you want me to name what I think is your top five, Dando? Yes, and then decide which one will be my favourite. Okay, these are not in any particular order, by the way. Mm-hmm. Dando's favourites for season 13... According to Guy. Treehouse of Horror, 12. The Old Man and the Key. The Frying Game. I Am Furious, brackets, yellow. And A Hunker Hunker Burns in Love. Okay. And which one do you think will be my favourite? That's a tough one. 
Mm. I was going to go with Treehouse because I know you like your Treehouses of Horror. But instead, I'm going to say Hunker Hunker Burns in Love. Okay, there you are. That is what you think my top five will be. This is what I think Guy's top five is going to be, in no particular order. I think he's going to have The Frying Game, Weekend at Burnsies, Jaws Wired Shut, The Lastest Gun in the West, and I also think you will have a hunk of hunk of Burns in Love, because I know you love Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Now, I think <laughs> the top episode for you is going to be... To toss up between the last gun in the West and Weekend at Burnsies, I'm going to go <laughs> Weekend at Burnsies for Guy Davis. All right, let's see how we go. I probably had a terrible poker face there. Dad is probably looking at me going, I, I knew that you would, so I didn't look at your face the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get into the top fives, because I know you guys out there are all clamoring to hear what we are uh, going to be loving this season, we're going to get into what we hated this season. Not hated, but what was on said shit list that we mentioned before. Yes. So which do you think are the, or was the worst episode of the season for you? Which one did you like the least? <laughs> On three, Dando. One, two, three. Gump, Gump roast. roast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gump Roast was an absolute turd in the punch bowl. No good for anyone. Uh, terrible jokes, terrible concept. Well, there were, wait, 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 there were, there were jokes in there? <laughs> terrible, quote unquote, jokes. Mm. Um, I was about to say, terrible concept, I take that back. Two good concepts that could have possibly worked, but one was abandoned halfway through in favour of the other one, and as a result, you got shit versions of both. Yeah. A, a lazy episode all around, and a, lazy is a word that's come up a lot <laughs> through my throat and out into the world when we're talking about season 13. Yeah, but Gump Rice was just a shocker from go to woe. Yeah, not good at all. But I do have a few others on my shit list. But yeah, Gump Roast was indeed the the tip top or the very, very bottom. Well, Gump Roast, I just, you watch that and you can't watch it as if it's canon. And not, I, when I say canon, The Simpsons doesn't really have a canon anymore. They swap no. and change things around and suit, suit the episode. That's fine. But like you said, it was a good concept, but nothing about it was funny. The the setups no. weren't funny. Nothing, not, All the little bits in between the clips weren't any good. No. So if they were good, it would have been fine. Because I, I don't mind clip shows if the, the wraparounds are enjoyable. That was just not enjoyable at all. I also want to throw out there Tales from the Public Domain, another non-canon episode. So I'm starting to think that maybe it's these non-canon episodes that I'm not liking anymore. But the last season, I really loved, maybe it was the season before, the Trilogy of Error. I think that was season 12. Yes. I love Trilogy of Error. I thought it was a great episode. One of my favorites of the season. And let's not forget unless I'm totally incorrect, this is the episode that ended with the Ghostbusters dance number. But there was just nothing to it. It was just the story, just placing Simpsons characters in their places, but there was no twist on it. It was just boring. Yeah. It's like when you put Milhouse in the little um, little Dauphin wig and, you know, he looks like more of a dork than usual. Things like that are kind of fun, but no, Tales from Public Domain just felt very wheel-spinning to me. I was not a yeah. huge fan of it, and as I said, yes. Yeah, Indicative of this Sims, this season's inability to stick the landing and come up with a satisfying conclusion to an episode. This just, this one just had, hey everybody, let's dance. It's like, you know what that worked in? That worked in Caddyshack when Roddy, da Roddy Dangerfield said, hey everybody, we're all going to get laid. That's the way you need it, every way you want it. All right. 
Oh, that, or something like that. <laughs> you know what? Which is, which is, and say that's why when they end the episode with Rodney Dangerfield as Mr. Burns' son with that clip, it's amazing. It's fantastic. But this time around, not so much. I had a few others no. that uh, made the uh, Hall of Infamy, you might say. I was not huge on Blame It on Lisa. Okay. Again, it. I mean, You're not overly huge on the let's go to another country and take the piss out of that country episodes, are you? I don't mind taking the piss out of other countries, even when it's my own. God bless Australia. But, yeah, Blame It on Lisa just felt to me like a cavalcade of stereotypes with no humour sort of buoying them up. So, yeah, not a, not a huge fan of that one. I was not a big fan Fair of enough. Judge Constance Harm and the two episodes that she appeared in. Oh, that was She was so annoying. She really took it. When I saw Judge Snyder come back, I was like, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and one that some people may take a, a bit of issue with because I know it's guest star is well beloved but sweets sweets and sour marge did not do it for me it had ben stiller as the guest star and he was just giving a performance that i thought was well first of all pretty anonymous because i was looking back through my notes and at the very end i've written wait that was ben stiller Mm. and then sort of thinking about it a bit more it's like oh that was ben stiller he's just he's being ben stiller yeah and he was being angry ben stiller which sometimes works but I, I mean, Angry Ben still is fine when it's like, now you will go to sleep or I will put you to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but not in this circumstance. So, yeah, look, there were a few that were on my bad list. But okay. atop the mountain of shit. <laughs> the mountain of shit. Stands Gumproast. Yes, the, the very, very yes, worst. definitely. <laughs> well, I'm going to get into my top five, kicking off with my number five yeah. for the season. It's uh, Sweets and Sour March. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> so, what I liked about this was, I will admit that Ben Stiller wasn't really given much of a performance when it comes to guest roles. And I think that's why not many people even remember him being a guest star in The Simpsons, because it's just very forgettable. Mm. But I thought the setup with the Guinness World Records book was really fun. And I always like it when the town get together and always get behind something like a cause. And in this, they wanted to make the giant pyramid, mm-hmm. which eventually turns into the giant ball and they end up getting the, the record for the fattest town in America, blah, blah, blah. I thought that was all really, really fun. Particularly, I love the way I, I appreciate the animation and what went into drawing that giant ball. That's how right. they took photos of an actual ball. I thought it was pr- pretty cool the way just the, the way they made that episode. But I liked the smuggling the sugar back into Springfield aspect to the story as well. I like it when you get unlikely heroes or an unlikely teammates with a poo and Mr. Burns and Cat Fudgela, Homer <laughs> and Bart is going to try and smuggle the um the sugar back into the into the town. But then the end, we've got Homer when he has to decide whether he's going to stick with Marge or get sugar back in. I think the buttons are like, obey Marge or obey bad guy or something like that. And um, yeah, and, and obviously he chooses Marge. So it was a sweet little ending at the end, no pun intended. Uh, but I just thought, yeah, I always like the stories where the town's people are all involved in, in one sort of uh, cause. And that's what they do here. And yeah, I just thought it was a bit of a lot of fun. Sweet and sound Marge. Ben Stiller lacking in... Uh, what was what would you say? Lacking in personality, wattage. Yeah, like personality. Um, yeah, yeah, no charisma. Charisma. That's the one I'm thinking. I was lacking in charisma. Yes, it was, they didn't really give him much to work with with that one. But that aside, I I really enjoyed Sweet and Sour March. That was my number five. Okay, my number five is a hunk of hunk of burns in love. 
Ooh, okay. I thought you would, just like I said, because Julia Louis-Dreyfus, yeah. <laughs> so, well, look, it goes without saying uh, for listeners of uh, Full Figure Discount and its adjacent podcasts, especially the one talking Seinfeld, that I've got a big old crush on JLD, as I like to call her. Not just a very enjoyable episode. I look, bolstered by a terrific guest star performance, uh, Ms. Louis-Dreyfus seems very in sync with the Simpsons' mm-hmm. uh, sense of humour, game for just about anything. It feels like it's using her natural charisma and presence, but she's also giving a performance. It's not just, hi, I'm Julia Louis-Dreyfus, the co-star of Seinfeld, and here I am on The Simpsons. It's like, no, no, she's bringing Gloria to life and actually fleshing out this somewhat odd situation of, I won't say having a crush on this older guy, but sort of forming a relationship with this old man, this old tyrant, gradually softening and sort of falling for him. But then, of course, Snake comes into the picture, and who can resist the charms of Snake? No one, clearly. I also like the aspect of the character. There's a bit of substance to the character, like you said, because she was obviously a bad girl back in the day Mm. with Snake and whatnot. So she's become a cop to sort of get away from that aspect of her life. And she's just gone for Mr. Burns and tried something new because she's trying to just push away that bad girl aspect to her. But then when Snake gets back into her life... She just can't resist, like you said, and she just goes back to being old Glory again. So, yeah, I thought she did a great job with uh, with Huckleberry Burns' love. I also liked in that episode the um, the Homer Mister Burns schemes. I always like it when they work together as a team. I was about to say, yeah, yeah I, I just thought that was fun as well. Yeah, I mean Homer's very much a, a supporting character in this episode. I mean it revolves around Mister Burns and Gloria primarily, but Homer does play a significant part in it. And yeah, that relationship that he has with Mister Burns. I mean, even though these. I don't know you could call these two people enemies. But by this point, he's softened a lot, Mr. Burns. Yeah. I think so, yeah. But also, a Homer is just kind of insignificant in the eyes of Mr. Burns. So when they have an opportunity to be kind of on a level on a level footing and find some common ground, and yeah, I find that always kind of entertaining, as you do. Right. I, I also like it, I think, also as you do, when you see the good side of Homer, the supportive side of Homer, the good friend side of Homer, and... Yeah, look, it it defies, I guess, canon for Homer to be that way with Mr. Burns. But when he wants to do right by someone, he generally throws himself into it wholeheartedly. And he does that this time around. So I enjoy that part of it very much as well. Yeah, definitely. I also liked the fact that we got to see an episode of Side of Burns that we very rarely get to see, if at all. I know there was an episode back in the day, Marge Gets a Job, I think it's from season four or five, where Mr. Burns falls for Marge. And we've seen him in love with certain people throughout the series up to this point. But mm. here we got to see him really soften and not just have a crush on somebody, but genuinely love her and really want to go all out. And, you know, he proposes to her and everything. And this episode, I think, had one of my favorite commercial cuts of the entire season when Snake takes Gloria and Homer out and Mr. Burns finds her engagement ring on the floor and he goes, she's left and with Simpson. I thought I just <laughs> think it's one of my favorite. I just think it's a great sort of, What's the word? Tease to make you mm. want to stick around and continue watching the show. Yeah, I thought, yeah. Hunger Hunger Burns Love is a great episode. Good choice. Nice one. Go ahead, Dando. My number four is also based around a amazing guest star. It is Half Decent Proposal <laughs> with John Lovitz as Artie Ziff. We might as well cut to the chase because that's my next one as well. Yes, that's your number four as well. Okay, cool. So it's just John Lovitz. He really shines as Artie Ziff. Mm. That's his... And I, know, I know he's been other characters on The Simpsons, but this is the one where he really... The, the real John Lovitz comes through. Yeah. He, you, you love to hate him, but he's just... 
he's so John Lovitz is so funny in the way he delivers the lines, even though he's being an absolute prick. You just have to love it. It's just so, so great. But what a, uh, the, not just the fact that John Lovitz was amazing as Artie in this episode, I thought the story was really relatable, particularly if you're in a relationship with somebody. It's like, I mean, a million dollars does sound amazing, but would I want this, my spouse going and spending a night with somebody else? Probably not. But it's a million dollars. What do I do? <laughs> I just thought that was relatable, a, a relatable story. But the thing I liked the most about it was that after... 11 seasons, Marge finally gets a revenge on Artie for being a, a dog to her at the prom mm. and she embarrasses him in front of everybody. So I, was, I like that aspect of the story that Marge finally gets, gets her revenge on Artie, which is cool. It is indeed, yes. Look, I think the my love for this episode, a lot of it is what you mentioned, but primarily it's John Lovitz. Yeah, he's mm, a, definitely, yeah. I won't say the guy has the greatest range as an actor, but what he does... Mm. He does remarkably well, and it's playing sleazy guys, slobs, guys who can't get out of their own way, who can't quite get it together, but have all the confidence in the world. (laughs) (laughs) He can say anything that would be funny. He goes, I am holding a microphone. (laughs) Literally, he could say anything, and it sounds good. (laughs) And he's he's great to watch, whether it's on Saturday Night Live or in the movies that Mm. he's done or anything like that. He's been... He's got some degree of screen presence. Here's a fun fact. Did you know that the movie Bad Boys with Will mm. Smith and Martin Lawrence was originally designed as a vehicle for John Lovitz and Dana Carvey? Get the fuck out. Really? For real. Wow. Would that have worked? Not, not, it would not, be a completely different movie. It would be completely a completely different, different movie. Different movie. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, think about that. Think about John Lovitz and, and Garth. Mm. So what was the story going to be? It couldn't have been a, a realistic kind of one. Like, not, not to say Bad Boys is realistic, but it couldn't have been a more of action a, flick. Yeah, a, a different kind of action comedy, let's say. But getting back to that, yeah, he's good to watch on screen, but he's just great mm. to listen to. So, yeah, a terrific voice actor. And, of course, you know, he was Jay Sherman. He was the critic. He had his own show and all that. But yeah. every time he appears on The Simpsons in whatever character form, it's always enjoyable. Yeah, the guy's voice is just musical <laughs> yeah but like an entertaining wacky orchestra as opposed to like a, a symphonic orchestra so yeah big big fan of um half decent proposal there's a lot of good stuff in it i was a, i was a big fan of i want to sex you up <laughs> <laughs> he's warm for your form <laughs> <laughs> there's good little bits in there like there's some lenny and carl stuff in there that i think is just wonderful but yeah, but primarily it's the Arty Ziff episode and God bless it for it. Yes, 100%. All right, so that was your number four as well. So I'll get into uh, my number three, mm-hmm. which I think is going to be your, your number one. But you know that I say if it is yet, okay? You know that I say if it is. Okay. My number three is Weekend at Burnsies. Mm-hmm. Now, I enjoyed this episode a lot more as an adult than what I did as a kid. That's not because I've done drugs or anything. I just remember being very disappointed when I first watched it because I was expecting an adults-only episode of The Simpsons. Which, when you upon reflection, it is adults only when you think of the themes. I would have been adults yeah. only at the time. Now it's pretty tame. But I, what what year did it air? So two thousand and one ish, mm-hmm. two thousand and two. So I would have been about it's 2002. twelve or thirteen. Twelve, yeah. two thousand two. Yeah, twelve, thirteen year old Dando at the time was expecting a lot more when the words adults only were getting thrown around. So I was just disappointed in it. But upon reflection, I thought this was as about as close to the golden era as this season got. It was funny from start to finish. Mm. 
I love the fun setup with the crows at the start, yes. which could have been its own little treehouse of horror segment if it wanted to. Yeah, uh, uh, and Homer, we get a. It's a great version of Homer when he's high. I think when he like when he's smoking the weed, he listens to his kids. He shows interest in 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 their hobbies. Yeah, uh, he's funny. I, I, just thought, I just thought Homer was just a lot of fun in this episode. And um, the only thing that really kept it from being at the top for me was uh, that I thought the ending was a little weak. It's not a great ending, you're right. Yeah, everything leading up to that last few minutes or so works a treat. Yeah, you're right. It's, yeah. um, it's well written, it's excellently performed and extremely well directed in terms of its visuals, in terms of its music choices and other things like that. But yeah, I think, yeah, just those last few minutes with the marionette business and all that kind of stuff, it's like, mm, yeah. You were hitting a home run, and then all of a sudden, it got caught on the on the on the fence. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a marathon runner just pulling a hammy, shitting his pants near the finish line. <laughs> we could say that. I was going to say pull a hamstring, but let's go with shit your pants. <laughs> <laughs> but Wicked at Burns is yeah a lot of fun. Yeah, a, a, a lot that I either forgot or just didn't understand as a kid. So yeah, that was my number three. What was yours? The lastest gun in the West. Mm-hmm. You you loved this episode, or well, not loved it, but you you liked it a lot more than I did because I think you just sort of related to that old school cowboy western TV show aspect to it. Where that me growing up, I never really got to experience them as hit shows where they were still on TV when you were growing up. So I think having that element is probably why it was more favorable for you than it was for me. I think that's certainly an aspect of it. Although having said that, when I was growing up, and they did have shows like Bonanza and Gunsmoke mm. and other TV westerns. Running as repeats, running as reruns. It's not that I was a huge fan of them, but more they were just part of the entertainment wallpaper. They were your equivalent of reality shows. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. So it's not like I was tuning... Gotta get home. <laughs> Let me try that again. Gotta get home. I gotta get home in time for Bonanza. <laughs> My all-time favourite. <laughs> that wasn't necessarily the case. But the times when you did catch them, and maybe... Particularly with my, you know, there'd be times when my dad would catch me. Oh, I remember this from when a while back. Or you could tell that he got a real. I could tell that he got a real kick out of it. So that kind mm-hmm. of was enjoyable as well. Yeah, you, you you just enjoy it because you remember your dad enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. Which I think you've talked about as well in the past. I mean, yep, yeah, definitely. Yep. But no, a lot to enjoy in um, in the last gun in the West, and not only the uh, the show business aspect of it, which would appeal to a sort of a showbiz nerd like myself. But I did like the whole inciting incident, the whole setup with the with the dog, with the angriest dog in the neighbourhood or the angriest dog in Springfield, just making life completely unpleasant for Bart, but also just being so cunning that it's able to pull a Swifty on everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I thought that was uh, very, very funny. I mean, just the bit with the, the dog sort of breathing heavy up against the window and then using its paws to... <laughs> 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 um, you really liked the ending as well, didn't you? I did. Yeah, it's it's not a it's not a great it's not a great ending, but it's a little unusual to, to quote Kath and Kim. It's nice. It's unusual. Uh, yeah, that whole quiet bit where Buck has gone home. He's like, just leave me to my Springfield mansion. I can go home and get drunk and everything will be fine. You know, I, you don't. I don't have to clean up my act. I've spent fifty years as a functioning alcoholic. Just let me see at the last few, in my own way. And he's what going in, he's closing the blinds, he's putting the bins out, gives you a little tip of the hat. I found that an interesting and enjoyable departure 
from usual, mm-hmm. not just Simpsons endings, but uh, sitcom endings in, in general. So yeah, I, there was a lot to enjoy about that. I thought Dennis Weaver's performance as, as Buck was very enjoyable as well. Maybe not so much, I mean, it didn't show a great deal of sort of comic finesse or anything like that, but it felt really authentic. None, not least because, you know, Weaver just sounds like the kind of guy who would have bourbon for breakfast. He was really sound like an old-timey cowboy voice. It just felt like a character who had lived in Springfield his whole life, yet still felt so different. He didn't yeah. feel like your typical Springfield resident. You could tell he was somebody. And that's mm. to do with the, the way it was portrayed as well. It, it was great acting. But I thought that the Swartzwater wrote the character, because Swartzwater is obviously a big fan of those old school westerns, and a lot of love went into that script. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I guess it paid off. It wasn't one of my favorites, but um, I remember you really enjoying it. And because you enjoyed it, I enjoyed it. Oh, thank you, Dando. All right, hit me with your next shot. All right, so my number two is one we've already mentioned. It's A Hunker Hunker Burns in Love. <laughs> I thought this was, as we've already discussed, uh, a lot of fun. Very Golden Era-esque and Julie Lewis was great. Not, we won't retread. We've, I've already said everything I loved about it. Just, um, yeah, I forgot that it was even in this season. It just feels like so long ago that we reviewed that episode. But, Absolutely. Yeah, so there was no way I couldn't include that in my top five. And yeah, there's one little thing that kept it from being number one, which we'll get to in a moment. But yeah, Hunker Hunker Burns in Love was my number two. Okay, then. Well, my number two is I Am Furious Yellow. Ooh, okay. Yep. Going back over my notes and sort of thinking about this uh, this season, <laughs> this wasn't one that necessarily sprang to mind, but looking back over, over my notes and then thinking more about this episode, I'm like, I had a lot of fun with this one. Again, yeah, it was a good episode. Again, it's a Swordswelder, the name you can trust, or certainly the name that I trust. <laughs> yeah, I mean... You ever have that thing where you're like, I bet me and that famous person would be really good buddies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, I don't know. I'd like to think me and Mr. Swartzwell would get along. I think we would maybe have a few points of common interest. Yeah, I, I could say that, yeah. It's very wanky of me to say that about a bona fide comic genius like John Swartzwell. But with that in mind... I think, uh, yeah, he and I would be kind of simpatico. And he's writ- he wrote a few episodes this season that I really, really enjoyed. And this was one of them. And whether it's the, the A plot or the main concept of it, or just the little bits of um, bits and pieces on the side, and the bit with Kirk at the very start. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm, mm. I'm always happy when you see Kirk Van Houten just because he makes my life seem so much better by comparison. <laughs> um, I, I just think this, this episode as a whole, when you look back over the whole season, was a real blast from the past. It's a real time capsule of early 2000s. You got the online web comics. Oh, to yeah. me, I was just like, oh man, I remember like all the all the flash games. I remember we brought up Alf Bowling in that review. Things like that. What was it? Is it uh, Osama bin Laden in a blender or whatever? That's, That's what right, they have in this yeah. episode. It's a real blast from the past, and it was just real nostalgic. But it was also really relatable because I think every kid dreams of writing a comic or creating their own superhero. Even if you don't create a superhero on print, you go out in the backyard and you create this character for yourself. And I am this person. We all play, we all role play as Batman and Superman, but everyone, every kid at one point, every boy or girl, whatever, at some point creates their own superhero and they are this person. You know, And I just thought it was really, really relatable in that aspect as well. But also what made it feel very nostalgic was that you had a great appearance from Stan Lee before mm. he was Stan Lee yeah. that we know him as now it was creator of Marvel Comics Stan Lee <laughs> I, I just I, I loved that I love the fact that they had to explain to the viewer who he was <laughs> and constantly yeah remind you like here's some of the stuff that this guy did I mean you may not know the name Stan Lee but he definitely did this 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 and this 
Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was also Stan not afraid to take the piss out of himself a bit. I think all his cameos in the MCU did that to some degree. I mean, there was always a, a, a degree of affection behind those, but Stan was often like, oh, I'm a cranky old dude or I'm a confused old man or whatever. In this one, it felt like there was a little more to it. Is it was Stan Lee as kind of a weirdo, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, I, I felt like he was, like you said, willing to sort of take the piss out of himself, but he just felt, it didn't feel like, the old Stanley that was in the cameos from the MCU. It just felt like the guy who had been somewhat forgotten. A bit. And yeah. he was just he was just trying to say, No those superheroes you like. That was me, I tell you. That was me. <laughs> like <laughs> Yes, okay, old man. Yes. You created you created Spider Man. Okay. Okay, look, I'll pay you the proper respect, but stop <laughs> re- stop reminding me. So I really enjoy that. And you're right, it did seem very much like a time capsule in terms of it did. Yep. internet culture. How the way the way the internet felt back in the early two thousands when mm-hmm. everything sort of felt like uncharted territory and you could create Ma- just- as make or break, you know, yeah. new, new new websites becoming hits and then going bust three weeks later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was also just a really fun story with Homer and Bart. Homer's angry dad. I oh, thought was- that was just a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> it does have one of my favorite lines about <laughs> Now let's send him in one of his trademark fits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't want to turn this uh, this uh, recap or rundown of season 13 and just, you know, guys' favourite lines or whatever, but there will be a bit of that throughout this episode. But, yeah, just little bits like that. Yeah. I, I, no, yep. I, I, I dug I Am Fury's Yellow quite a, quite a great deal. Quite understandably. Okay, well, my it's time now to get to my number one of the season. <laughs> And it is I Am Furious Yellow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I explain um, yeah, why I liked it, and you did your bit, but yeah, tell me a bit more about why you liked it, Dando. Oh, well, just like I said, the, the, to me, it just felt like the. I know I said Weekend at Burns felt like the most golden era. When I say it was, it felt like golden era, I mean like the quality of the writing and the comedy felt golden era esque, but this episode, just purely from a story perspective, and everything that went into it felt like a golden era, episode, golden era episode. It wasn't the funniest one of the lot, but it just felt like an episode that you could slot into like season seven and it would belong there. Yeah. And I, I just I just I just loved it for that. And I just loved the fact that, yeah, just it took me back to being a kid again. And no other episode in this season did that. Just the the website, the flash games, the Stan Lee before he became Stan Lee from the MCU, you know, creator of Marvel Comics. Mm. But just a really fun Homer and Bart story and Homer becoming the Hulk at the end. And Although we sort of established that it didn't really cause all that much damage, but apparently it was like millions of dollars worth of damage. Yeah. It was. <laughs> I, 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 I wish we had got more, uh, more Homer going more crazy, but that aside, just it was a very relatable story. I used to create my own comics when I was a kid. Couldn't remember what the superheroes' names were. Couldn't tell you, but I just thought, yeah, very relatable. And just, yeah, a very nostalgic episode for me. And I really, really, really enjoyed it. I've completely forgot that Stan Lee was even in it. So it was just such a, it was like the cherry on the cake, Stan Lee being in that one. Yeah. I thought it was, it was a, the perfect episode for Stan Lee to be a, a guest in as well. Yep. Very good. Yep. Yeah. Comic book so guy. number one. Comic book guy and Stan Lee, a match made in heaven. Oh, so good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that was my number one. Really enjoyed it. Perhaps unsurprisingly, mm-hmm. my number one episode of season 13 was... <laughs> so we get a Birdsies man. <laughs> it was always it was always going to be. <laughs> and look, not because your friend guy is a pro am pothead or anything along those lines. Although that didn't hurt, but yep. just a funny 
and fun episode. Yep. As you mentioned earlier, I like the way Homer was when he was, uh, <laughs> I was about to say on the gear. I don't know if that's exactly the right use of the term on the gear. When he was when he was blazing, when it was 420 for Homer, I, he was a fun dude to be around, as you pointed out. Good to his kids, a good friend. <laughs> um, it worked well for his career because, you know, he got close to Burns and became his kind of... Uh, go-to hype man for his bad jokes, um, even hanging out with Otto in the um, in the attic and watching God knows what, because that's what you do when you're stoned. You watch terrible television and it's just the best. Yeah, I, and I also like the cameo by Fish, <laughs> yeah, a band that I don't really know a great deal about. I have tried their uh, Ben and Jerry's ice cream and it's pretty nice. Yeah, you said that, yeah. <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was just, uh, what I liked about it was that we pointed out in the review that you never actually saw Homer smoking, but no. yeah, it felt like you did. It was like, oh, yeah, you're right. You don't actually see him smoking. No. But what I appreciated the most about it was that there was it wasn't just a bunch of, hey, man, we're stoners now, mm. gags. You got a couple of moments, I think, where Otto says, you know, they call him fingers, but you never see him fing. Yeah. A couple of moments like that. But the episode was more about the impact it was having on Homer's relationship with his family and friends for being on weed, which I forgot that's what it was more focused on. And I liked that. He actually, it was like they wanted... Homer to be off drugs, but they also liked the Homer they were getting as a result of being on drugs. That's correct. Yeah, look, it was um, look a pro pot episode in some ways, but also not preachy in its "Hey man, don't get too high and ruin your life or or waste your life" kind of uh, kind of message, which I really appreciated. So yeah, a lot a lot to enjoy uh, from my perspective, at least in Weekend at Burnsies, my number one episode of season thirteen. There you have it. So I got your number one. You, you nearly got it. You guessed my number one is number, was my number two. I can't get Burns and Love. You were very close. But how many in total did I get? So I guessed. So you had. Okay, read yours out. Read yours out again. You had. I said the frying game. I'm surprised I didn't make your top five, actually. Mm. Uh, the Last of Scum in the West, that was in there. Weekend at Burnsies was in there. A Hunk of Hunk of Burns and Love was in there. Mm-hmm. And Jaws Wires Shut. I thought you better like Jaws Wires Shut, mm. but no, didn't make the list. So I got three out of five. What about what did, you, what did you have for me? And I said for you, uh, Treehouse mm-hmm. of Horror, Old Man in the yep. Key, The Frying Game, Hunker Hunker Burns in Love, and Furious Yellow. Yeah, so you got two. Yeah, so you're not okay. about the same as me. The Dando Guy mind meld, not as not as great this time around. Usually we're sort of <laughs> finishing each other's sandwiches. I mean sentences, but. I don't know. Maybe we got a, a bad internet connection this time. It's not. It's, maybe it's not coming through the Zoom, man. But anyway, I think I think we did pretty well, though. We did indeed. Now I've got a couple of notable mentions. I just wanted to mention these at the end in case we didn't get to them. I want to point out that I really did like Little Girl on the Big Ten. I liked the B plot with Bart being the bubble boy. Mm-hmm. I like that. I just I like an episode that has a, a solid enough main story with a really good B story. And uh, I thought this one was, was good for, for season 13 standards. It also had a great performance from Robert Pinsky. I thought he was great yes. as, a, as a guest. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I always really enjoy when Bart helps Lisa, and that's what he does at the end there. So, yeah, that, that was that was fun. I also liked Homer the Mo when he create, makes his own bar, mm-hmm. and Mo turns his bar into the, the, the futuristic club. That was a really fun episode as well. <laughs> yeah. That's the one that had REM. Correct. And one thing we didn't point out, I mean, literally on the Big Ten, and in Home in the Mo, Homer singing his own versions of songs was a great was a great uh, introduction for this season. I like that. It's in Weekend at Burnsies as well, yes, where he's, uh, he does his own version of I, Smoke on the Water. Yes, but he doesn't. Oh, he does change the words. You're That's right. True. He does change the words. Yeah, but there was one in the episode that we just was it wasn't the Frying Game. 
It was Papa's got a brand new badge when he was singing the I've been driving all night, my hands went on wheels. So he did it quite a lot in this season. But the last one I wanted to mention, I know you hated this, but I enjoyed the last act of Brawl and the Family where the Vegas wives come back. Okay. It was unexpected. But to me, I think that what hurt it was that it just came out of nowhere. So they, they, they obviously wrote the story with the, the family trying to work together. and yeah. we, that, I mean, that episode did have the great... The coyotes are working together with the wolves. That was great. But besides that, the first two thirds of the episode were just terrible. Mm. But yeah, I, I, I liked the Vegas Wise returning. I wish they did more of that where they, they brought characters back and sort of continued the story, which is what Half Decent Proposal did. They brought Artie Ziff back. They did it with Sideshow Bob. Although Sideshow Bob was usually just, let's bring him back this season so we can try and kill Bart again. It wasn't yeah. a continuation of a of a story. So I'd, I'd, I'd like the sequel aspect to the end of Brawl and the Family. What about yourself? Do you have any notable mentions for this season? Uh, there are more bits and pieces from various episodes. Okay. Uh, because... <laughs> As I mentioned, this is going to turn into like a Chris Farley episode of like, remember when they said that line? That was cool. But a family guy episode. <laughs> mean like that time when this happened? <laughs> but uh, whether it's, you know, you've got the sweetest up her with, mm, mm, that's good adultery. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, <laughs> the Blunder Years had uh, probably one of my favorites of all time, actually, where they're talking about uh, names for the, for the friend group and Mo says, Oh, don't we have the most Sizzlick experience featuring Homer? <laughs> I, I literally can't say it without without cracking up. I think it's so great. Featuring Homer. Yep. And also, I just said that was my all-time favourite. No, this is probably my all-time favourite. Uh, with the old man in the key, where they go to... They're oh, yes. able to go to Branson, Missouri, and they go to Branson, <laughs> Missouri, where it's a you get this priceless mother and son exchange. Hey, Ma, about some... Cookies. <laughs> no dice. <laughs> this, this ain't over. This isn't over. <laughs> I also just love that when they first walk in there, you just hear, hey, oh, hey. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and look, lots, lots of just good stuff all around. I mean, Origins and the first time you see various memes. Uh, yes, the uh, old man it, yells at cloud was one. Old man yells at cloud. Uh, that great Smithers meme where he's just absolutely uh, oh tra- yeah traumatized by being conf- uh, cornered by strippers. Yep, that's that's probably my favorite episode. And let's not forget one of Guy's favorite things: flags. Plenty of flags yeah, in this of, season. Lots of them this season. Yeah. So I mean, a proper reflection. Season thirteen was a lot of fun. Season a couple 13. of stinkers, but oh, on the all, it was pretty good. Really good fun. I'm trying to. I'm going to try and balance out the good with the bad here. There were, you yep. know, some some things that really didn't sit well with me. Or, mm-hmm. I mean, there are a lot of sort of lazy gay panic gags, which were indicative of the time. Yeah, uh, uh, we're just that's at the point now where it's just like it happened. It was 2002. Yeah, there's no point in us going over it every single time. No, no. The only thing I will say is I was surprised of how much there was. I didn't remember yeah. it being like that. That's yeah. all. Yeah, um, there was that, as we mentioned, that inability to finish episodes well. There were a few episodes in this season that just sort of ground to a halt or ran out of uh, ran out of energy before they reached the uh, the final uh, finishing line. A lot of emphasis on Jackass Homer, as has been called, where he was careless or thoughtless or even cruel on occasion, which yep. yeah wasn't great. Also, one or two scripts that felt like they were written as they weren't written as good sitcom episodes they were written as simpsons episodes by people who maybe were new to the writing team 
new to the creative crew who had possibly grown up watching The Simpsons and had their own idea of this is what works in Simpsons world as opposed to this is what good comedy is, if you know what I mean. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, there was one episode in particular where it felt like they were just bringing out all the hits. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, but as you said, Dando, a lot to enjoy in season 13. Yeah. I'll, and I count that up, I chalk that up as a very pleasant surprise, given that going in I was a little, I think we might be in the weeds here, folks, but no, there was a lot of wide open space. A lot of fun. Hmm. I, I, and it's made me more excited to review season 14 because I remember going into season 13, I was just kind of thinking, oh, this could be it. You know, this this could be a, where we're just sort of shitting on the show all the time. But no, I, I think season 14, looking at a few of the titles here, ones that I remember, a lot of fun as well. So I, I remember watching a lot of these at the time. I haven't revisited them for fucking maybe 10 years plus. A lot of these, th- this is definitely where I stopped watching the show on a week-to-week basis. But okay. a few of these titles here really do ring a bell and I, I enjoy a lot of these episodes. So I'm looking forward to season 14. You can read this one of two ways, Dan. <laughs> Either I am being slack and not doing my research by not looking at what lies ahead in season 14 or wanting to keep it fresh for myself. I think yep. I'm, I think I'm going to keep it fresh for myself as opposed to Yeah, just yeah, <laughs> don't, don't look up what the episodes. Well, this is what I do. I look at the titles, but I'm not going to look up what the episodes are about. A couple of them I remember, but a few of them I'm like I think I know what that one is, but I'm going to just going to wait and watch it and see what happens. Well, looking back over season 13, I mean, I was very happily surprised by oh, this is the episode with that. And Yeah. Yeah, it made me appreciate them perhaps a lot more. But I think something that you and I have done over the time that we've done the show together is we've started to accentuate the positive. I don't think there have been a few exceptions where, oh, God, there's no redeeming qualities this episode. But I think mostly we've been looking for the uh, looking for the diamonds in the rough. And I think we found more than a few. Yeah, definitely. All right. So that is our wrap up of season 13. We are now going to, Mr. Davis, draw out the winner of our Guy Davis Dunan Championship <laughs> wildcard prize draw to win themselves some cold, hard cash. <gasps> With all the remaining names in a, a randomizer here, I'm going to click go. Good luck, everybody. One second, get, get the page up. And we're going to see who wins. All righty. One, two, hang on. Getting it up. <laughs> That's and what she said. Two, one. Five seconds. All right. So, the winner of this season's Guy Davis New Name Championship wildcard prize is Mark Boston Burgess. Boston! Boston! Boston Strong! Well, well done, sir. Thank you so much for... Well, obviously, he's a patron because he is part of the Guy Davis New Name Championship. If you want to get involved with the Guy Davis New Name Championship for Season 14, you just got to be a four-finger discount patron for as little as $1 per month. Every little oh. bit contributes to the show, helps us buy new equipment, helps support the show and keep the show going, and helps us pump out more podcasts each and every month. If you're a fan of Home of the Heretic, then you're going to love being a four-finger discount patron because we just reviewed it for mm. this month or that month back in July. Uh, so congratulations once again to Mark Boston Burgess and congratulations to uh, Garode Harrowhill for winning the ultimate prize, the overall New Name Championship mm. for Season 13. Well done, sir. You certainly deserved it. Now, Mr. Davis, I posted in the Patreon group asking for some questions for Season 13. We'll run through a couple of those and then we will be on our way so we can start preparing for Season 14. Yeah. All right, so the first question here comes from Talia Enriquez. She says, how did you feel about Apu's cheating when it was just in Season 10, Episode 14, I'm with Cupid, that he went all out to try and romance Manjula? Well, as we discussed in that episode, I didn't agree with what Apu did, but I can understand how some people fall into the trap of succumbing to doing it. 
And I think they did a... I think it was written by Swatswad of that one, wasn't it? I can't remember. Sounds about right, yes. I think they did a good job of making a poo do a terrible thing, but not making you hate him for mm. it. And, and I, but I could completely understand why you would hate him for doing something like that. It's a terrible... It's one of the worst things you could possibly do ever. You would, I wouldn't have never even think of it. But I can understand why he did it with the whole eight kids at home, which should be a reason not to do it when you've got kids at home. You should be home supporting your wife with the kids. But I can understand just not getting any love, being tired. A young, attractive woman shows him some attention and he's weak and he succumbs to it. But the only thing about the episode that I didn't like was that it just felt like Marge was just putting her nose in someone else's business that didn't belong. As I pointed out, though, during that episode, it's not so much Marge being a sticky beak as Marge liking everything to be nice. Everything to... Yeah, but it's not about her, though. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I can completely understand Talia or Thalia, why people would hate the fact that it was only three seasons ago that Apu was trying to love Manjula. I mean, in that time frame, they've had eight kids and life changes when you have kids. So Mm. there you have it. Anyway, our next question from Andrew Pellicati says, The series finished, in his opinion, very strong after Gump Roast. I agree. Yes. What did you think improved compared to the first half of the season? What do you think they did differently? Let's have a, let's get season 13, the list up. So after yeah. Gump Roast, we had this. After Gump Roast, it was... I Am Furious Yellow, The Sweetest of Pooh, Little Girl in the Big Ten, The Frying Game, and Papa's Got a Brand New Badge. I think they went back to basics in that. There was nothing too out there. I mean, I Am Furious Yellow was my favorite of the season. It just felt like yeah. the more, the stories were simpler, except the frying game was a, was a little bit wacky. I understand that. But I just think they, they just tried to keep things a little more grounded. It was more about, so you got here, I Am Furious Yellow, Sweetest of Poos. That's more about a poo, but it had Marge and Homer a lot throughout the episode. Little Girl in the Big Ten's Lisa and Bart based. The frying game was Marge and Homer based. And Papa's Got a Brand New Badge was very Homer-esque based. So I think they went back to really focusing on the core family which is what made it feel more like old school Simpsons, I think. They absolutely did. And yeah, what they did was create situations that were recognisable and reactions to that that were completely understandable while also being quite funny. It goes a long way being funny, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) In a comedy, you'd be surprised. (laughs) But but yeah, you're right. You're right. I I think back to basics is the the ideal way to to phrase it, Dando. Luke McKay says, not his favourite season. But season 13 has one of his favourite DVD box set designs. What is your favourite, some of your favourite The Simpsons DVD designs and some of your favourite non-Simpsons box sets, if any? So I'm going to say, I'll start with The Simpsons one. So I really liked, as a kid, it was very exciting for me when, it used to be Easy DVD, used to get it from, yeah. right? It used to be the store you got all of the DVDs from. I used to be so excited when Easy DVD said, you know, coming up in three months, the new Simpsons season's coming out. <laughs> And I remember when they first announced, started from season six, they did the box sets, but they were the shape of the character, of characters' heads, mm. right? I remember being so pumped for that. And then I got it, and I was like, my God, it looks like Bart's head. And I fucking opened it up, and I was all excited. And then I put it on the shelf, and I went, wait a minute. This doesn't go with my other box sets. That's correct. <laughs> this, this doesn't look like a full set anymore. I don't know about this anymore. So, so then... I ended up, when they re-released them, they re-released them in boxes. I ended up getting the boxes just so they would look nice on my shelf. So, I loved the head designs until... But I just didn't like the way they looked on the shelf. But the idea was was there. <laughs> it was, I, I like novelty box sets. I just hate the way that you just can't display them properly. That's all. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of novelty box sets, I've got to say. 
back in the early days of, uh, of DVD collecting, there was one company in America in particular that would do special editions or, or whatever of some titles. And they did one with Total Recall. Uh, the, okay. Where the bottom half was just a traditional box shape, but the top half was round and it was like Mars. Yeah. And yeah, you, it doesn't look right on my shelf, mate. It didn't look right on the shelf. Basic Instinct as well. They did like a, a weird transparent one with with a uh, an ice pick in it. Yeah, and I was never a fan of things like that. So, yeah, I was was like, uh, I think I'm going to have to wait for another version or get a a substandard version of this because I don't want that. Um, you know what I don't like, and they always charge extra money for it. I think who is buying these? It's the steel book covers. Yeah, I'm not a fan of those. Who the fuck? What's still because because they usually have this big metal hinge down the side. I'm like, what, why would you buy this? Yeah, I, I've had one or two of those, and maybe my house is just in bad shape. But you'd get a little, you'd get a little bit of rust or tarnish on them or something like that. I'm not a fan of steel books, okay. but one box set that I did really enjoy mm. was the extended edition of the Lord of the Rings DVDs. I've spoken mm-hmm. about my love of Lord of the Rings in the past, but me being. <laughs> Maybe stupid. There was the Australian editions of those, which were fine. They, the, they had the same design as the international one, as the US one. But the US one, the cardboard was a little thicker and it felt like an actual, like a book, like a, like a volume of book, whereas the Australian one was sort of cheaper cardboard. And you could see the, 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 the folds and there'd be gaps in there. I'm like, I'm not sure I like that. I think I like these American versions. So I'm going to spend a little more money and get Amazon to bring over the American one for me, <laughs> which um, yeah. which I then lent to a girlfriend who I subsequently broke up with that I've never seen them again. <laughs> oh, man. Well, this is why you don't lend things to people ever. Just, <laughs> just, it's just, it either comes back damaged or it just, just doesn't come back. I don't like it. That is true. Uh, box set I've got, I think, was it the Blu-ray? Yeah, it was the Blu-ray. It wasn't the debit, it was the Blu-ray of E.T. And the box set, the cover, isn't actually a cover. It's just a model of E.T. ship. Oh, so it came in a box, and it's literally just a, I want to say twelve, maybe twelve inches high scale model of ET ship. And what you do is, you push this button on the on the side of it, and it lights up, and it goes da 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 da, and this little um the the door from the bottom opens up, and this little ET figure Aww. down the bottom, like these doors open the ship, and the top opens up, and inside is you know when you used to get CD cases, and you put like the little Oh yeah, like the CD, like the CD holders. That's inside, and it's got the Blu-ray disc inside of it. So it opens up the top. The disc is inside, and it's just a little ET ship. But impossible to display on the shelf. Yeah, but it's just cool to have this little ET ship there. And uh, Elliot loves it. He put, push, pushes the button, plays the music. It's good. It sounds lovely in theory, but yeah, I think if you're a bit OCD or anal retentive like me, and maybe you, you're like, I just want them to. Stack nicely next to each other on the shelves, possibly yeah. in alphabetical order. Uh, one thing I will say is that my nan bought me that, so now I really like it. And oh, I was just like, ah, nan was the one that like got me my original ET tape. She got me my ET fucking life size thing here. So like everything I've got ET is sort of like from nan. So I'm just like, yeah, yeah, it's sort of like a little novelty thing that nan got for me. So I still I'll cherish that little ET. Oh, of it's, it's, it's pretty big, but the ET spaceship DVD set impractical when it comes to display, uh, displaying on the shelf, but. It's still cool having a little ET ship around the room. Delightful. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, that will wrap up our season 13 wrap up <laughs> of The Simpsons. 
of Four Figure Discount. I hope you've had as much fun as we have. We know there's been some bumps along the road with Gump Roast and all those others, but it's been on the overall a lot of fun. We do thank you all for sticking around with us uh, here on Four Figure Discount. Your support is much appreciated. And thank you to everyone who has jumped on board the Four Figure Discount Patreon bandwagon. It really does help keep the show going, and it's the best way to support the show. That and leaving us reviews on the iTunes store. We've had a couple of reviews this week, so I'm going to read them out because, fuck it, why not? Oh, Let's go. Four Figure Discount on iTunes. Let's read out the latest reviews we've had through. So going on here. Guys, sucks. What? Oh. <laughs> Please jump on there. Check us a review. Leave us five stars. It would be much appreciated. So this new one says here from Steffi underscore Mahoney. Uh, she says, love this podcast. All right. Th- this is one of my f- most favorite podcasts. Really funny. And I enjoy the stories and banter between the two hosts. Thank you, Steffi. Hey, thanks, Steffi. Next one here is from our man, our patron, actually, Rowan J. Ardvark. He's left a review <laughs> titled, best podcast ever. Oh, so he said, it took a while for me to get into podcasts because I couldn't find the right one for me. Then I found out that Four Finger Discount, the page, the Facebook page, had a podcast, and it wasn't just shit posting all the time. It was actually in depth <laughs> discussions about each episode of The Simpsons. It helped that, like me, they had Aussie accents. Just feels like being in a room with people who grew up watching The Simpsons at or around the same time as me. Also, the podcast features interviews with people who actually worked on the show and still work on the show. If you're looking for a Simpsons podcast, look no further. You have found the one. Thank you, Rowan, for that review. It's very, very kind. Thank you, Senor And last one here. Yes, last one here is from DMER1990. They say, title, Absolute Cracker. Long-time listener, first-time reviewer. I have listened to this wonderful podcast since 2019, and I have finally caught all the way up. Guy and Dando have such wonderful chemistry. I love their reviews, the trivia, and banter throughout the show. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much for leaving that review as well. So Thank you. I'm going to start reading out the reviews if they get posted here on the iTunes page. So please continue to do so at Checkers 5 Stars. We've got 484 ratings. I'd love to see that hit 500 yeah. in the next couple of weeks. So let's see if we can make that happen, listeners. If you haven't done it yet, Checkers 5 Stars on iTunes would really appreciate it. All right, Mr. Davis. That is season 13 for Four Figure Discount. Season 14 is coming up next week. I'm really looking forward to getting stuck in. There's a few episodes there that I know by title. I know they're good episodes. There's a few that I think I know what they are, and I do remember liking them as well. But there's a few here I have fucking no clue at all, so I'm excited <laughs> for those as well. I love going. I love watching Simpsons episodes and having no recollection of it all. Going in fresh, that's good. It's exciting for me. I don't know about you, but I'm excited for it. So thank you once again, all you listeners out there who have uh, continued to support the show by listening and becoming patrons. Thank you for leaving us reviews. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Four Finger Discount and Twitter at Four Finger Pod. But for now, Mr. Davis, any final words for season 13 for our amazing listeners? Mm, mm, and that was a good season.